Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast, so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy and stay safe. Online, on DAB and on the talk radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's uh, talk to our first guest of this hour. He's a former Conservative Party leader, also former Work and Pension Secretary, Sir Ian Duncan-Smith. Good morning to you. Morning, Julian. Morning. Morning. Lovely to speak to you. Well, let's, let's talk about this exit strategy. This is a, a, a crucial uh, thing that everyone's really focused on at the moment. We see uh, look, 360 deaths were announced uh, yesterday. They've been recorded, obviously, over the, the, uh, the weekend period. We know those figures on Mondays and Tuesdays are always much lower, but it was nevertheless the lowest in a month. A tragedy, obviously, for all those individuals and their families, but giving us all some hope that uh, as infection rates fall, hospitalisation rates fall, we're certainly over the peak. The question now is uh, how soon can we all get back to not normal life, we're told there's going to be a new normal, but some semblance of normal life. What did you hope to hear from, or what do you still hope to hear from in the coming days, from the Prime Minister Boris Johnson, now he's back at work, about how we will try to establish our new normal outside our homes? Uh, well, Julie, actually, it's, um, it's really important, I think, two things in the course of this. I, I actually expected to hear, I think, what he gave us yesterday, which was, he is continuing with the existing lockdown. But then the important two bits that he then said were, in the coming days, we will set out uh, with transparency and openness uh, what we will do with regards to uh, unlocking. And the uh, other bit was that he was very clear uh, that there would be a plan and and people would understand what that plan was. And I wrote, a, a, I was involved with a paper with um, uh, Jared Lance and and... Uh, Professor Omarod, who are both very uh, distinguished uh, economists, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and we laid out a traffic light system, uh, and that got much debated, which is where some of the economy is opened, and then you pause while you take stock of how that works, you know, look at the transport systems and so on, and then so it goes red, you know, amber, green. Uh, But the new normal, all the way through that, until you have antivirals and or uh, vaccinations are the key, and I think that's exactly where the government will go. Um, and can I just say one thing? The other bit which is really important is this debate about whether we should open up, uh, unlock the, the, the lockdown or uh, save lives is, is the false dichotomy. Yeah. Um, honestly, it's but all about saving lives because a crashed economy uh, will kill many, many people. Uh, and it's really important we understand that whilst we've been in lockdown for, what, five weeks now, 
Um, the reality for us is that this economy does have to start moving again. Otherwise, we won't be able to support the people in work. And I listened to this bit that you had earlier on where I think Matt Chorley was talking about people you know, feeling content and happy at the moment. Uh, yes, because they, they feel secure in a sense that their jobs are still there. But, of course, if that stops, there's a big different game altogether. Yeah, and so my point is that we do have to start moving very soon to unlocking this uh, lockdown. Yeah. And, and this is this is where we're talking about the difference between a, a lockdown that is a matter of weeks or a lockdown that's a matter of months and months. We look, yeah. we, we know that um, there's this massive search now for a vaccine, but we're, we're constantly told, even when every now and then there's some hope that a vaccine, and understand the, the Oxford uh, University vaccine has been tried uh, on, uh, on on some macaques and, and they've seen very, you know, very strong rates of people not being infected, people, the macaques not being infected with the vaccine. We're going to get you know, hopeful about lots of different breakthroughs. But realistically, we are not going to have a vaccine that's available around the country or around the world before the end of the year. We do need to have to come up with a new normal. And as you say, it's not a battle between the medics trying to keep us safe and the economists trying to make sure everyone makes money. Um, it is it is both sides pointing this out. that Everything is going to be about a balance of risks, about certain deaths yeah. now or certain deaths in the future. Yeah. But that's where it's very much, when we say the government's following the science and it's what the scientific and medical advisors say it was pointed out wasn't it by uh, Chris Sweetie yesterday at the press conference that actually you know these are fundamentally in the end they are advisors and it is going to be a, a yeah. political decision in the true sense of the word when when we do start that exit strategy yes I mean the, 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 the one question I've had from the beginning is what has been the breadth of advice that the government's been receiving throughout so yes it's absolutely right to listen to the science advice and the medical advice but we also need to understand what the behavioural scientists will tell us about the way that people have behaved so far and the likelihood of being able to keep that new normal going. Uh, and the other bit, of course, is the economists. All of these have to balance together to give the government advice about what may happen. And after all, you know, not all epidemiologists agree with each other. You've had spats between the Oxford group uh, and the Imperial College group, both forecasting different things. And many of the epidemiologists at the beginning forecast that this lockdown uh, would take much longer uh, for the effect to be felt of bringing this process down. But the British people have been so brilliant at locking down uh, that actually they've pretty much got ahead of the game in a way. And that's meant that we've been able to start seeing this decline, which is really, really important. So, so we need to have, I think, more faith in the British public, treat them like adults, explain to them what may yet happen, how we may unlock, uh, and then bring them with us on a journey through this process. And by the way, yes, you're right about the vaccinations, and it's some time ahead, so we can't rely on that in the short term. But uh, the other bit of the treatments, which is really important, which may get here earlier, is, of course, the antivirals, which would make a huge difference. And there's huge work taking place on that at the moment, uh, which is really important. Indeed, there's, there's lots of calls for hope, isn't there? I mean, when we're looking at what the other European countries are doing in terms of their exit strategies, and of course New Zealand is starting their exit out of lockdown today. Of course, New Zealand, I think, rather different circumstance, given its geographical location and its a lack of population density as well. Um, do you think that one of the reasons why the government is, is now not announcing the exit strategy is partly because we are two weeks behind the curve of a lot of the countries that are doing it in terms of our, our, our infection levels, but, but also because we want to learn the lessons about what does and what doesn't does not work so we can make the right decisions. Yeah, yes, that's exactly the point. We are already looking at other countries, trying to figure out what worked for them and what didn't work, even during the course of the process of the lockdown. I mean, France had an even more severe lockdown than we did, and their figures are higher than ours. So, 
There isn't always a correlation. And Sweden, for example, has not gone into complete lockdown, uh, and they're seeing similar results to ours. You were talking earlier on about um, what would happen with bars and restaurants. Well, in Sweden, uh, they've allowed people to enter those, but they've said, you know, people have to, you can't stand at the bar, you can't crowd there. The rules are you have to be sitting at a table separated from others, uh, and that has to be policed. So the whole process, were, <clears throat> there are plenty of lessons to learn. Can I just say one big lesson we've got to learn is that our ridiculous addiction to China has now got to stop. And we have got to review across the whole of the free world just exactly how we got ourselves into this position where we have treated an authoritarian, despotic regime as though it were some kind of uh, freedom-loving organization and rush to them uh, to buy things, to get things produced, to the extent now that this that broke out in China, who clearly falsified their figures originally, did not declare this earlier because, as I pointed out recently, they wanted this desperately wanted this trade deal with America. This is a desperate situation, and we now have to look at this carefully. We cannot go on like this. We have to recognize that if a country does not uh, uh, support the rule of law, uh, human rights, and uh, full freedom information, then we simply cannot deal with them in the way that we've been dealing with them. Because yeah, I, I think a lot of people would, would, would be echoing that. Can I also ask you just finally, uh, Sindok Smith, about, um, I suppose, the, the public's reaction to the government and indeed to the media. We've seen some polling showing that uh, obviously lots of trust in the NHS in, in Sir Chris Whitty, sorry, Professor Chris Whitty, I'm sure he will be a sir eventually, uh, Chris Whitty and others, uh, and indeed in Boris Johnson, but actually a lack of trust in particular uh, in, in, the, in television and newspaper journalists. I didn't see any figures for radio journalists. I like to think that we'd uh, be trusted a little bit more. Uh, but what do you make of some of the media coverage? Let's ignore what people on social media are doing. They're, they're, they're a tiny percentage of the population, not less representative, as, as general elections and referendum results might suggest. But what do you make generally of the media coverage and the questioning of the, the government's policies? Well, I come back to a point that I made earlier on. I think the British public uh, are much smarter than uh, the media sometimes think. Um, for example, they know, and you know, I've been working with my constituents endlessly on businesses, trying to get them loans, to, to talk to shopkeepers, uh, you know, the whole process. And what I find is they get it. They understand that nothing is perfect here. We are dealing with an unprecedented pandemic. Uh, we've never had to do this before. And this is a crisis on a huge scale. And the government is trying its very hardest to get things done. And they're not always going to get things right. And they have much more tolerance for that. What I think they... And, and I noticed the polling shows that the media has sunk to a level that is a minus about 20 or 30 in the public's opinion. And I think that it shows to me that sometimes, uh, I think, the media has tended to try and fly on a headline line, uh, which gives them some kind of immediate coverage, when in actual fact what the public want is perspective. And I keep saying on interviews, can we please show some perspective on PPE? Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, there's a struggle to get it out there. But every other country in the developed world is doing exactly the same and having exactly the same problems. There is only so much out there that you can get hold of at any time when everybody else is trying to do the same. I find that constituents, they get it. They understand the problem. They wish it were better uh, at times, but they also understand that this is not perfect. We are dealing with something that was created tens of thousands of miles away and we're now the recipients of, and it wasn't our fault. So, yes, I think perspective is the problem for the media at the moment. It's too often these things are discussed, uh, particularly, I think, sometimes on the big broadcast programmes, and they don't 
They don't tell you what everybody else is doing at the same time and how difficult it is for them. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Well, let's talk about all of this now with Josh Hardy. He's Deputy Director General at the Confederation of British Industry. Good morning to you, Josh. Morning, Julia. Thanks for having me on. Lovely to speak to you again. Now, we've had numerous announcements from the Chancellor over the last few weeks, and I think the very first time he did stand up and offer help uh, to businesses and to employees, I think there was a sort of mass sigh of relief around the country. But there's been lots of concern recently that, especially the help to small businesses, these loans that have been offered uh, with an 80% guarantee from the taxpayer, have been very complicated to get, long long application forms, many, many pages, and banks dragging their feet or refusing the loans. This is a a new loan that's uh, hopefully going to get around that. Is it welcomed by the CBI? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've been working very closely with the Treasury on it. And I think it's worth reflecting on where we are right now. The money for people going on furlough is starting to land in bank accounts, and that's nearly 4 million employees. Yes, the loans have been slower than um, hoped, but still over 16,000 small businesses have received loans. The trouble is cash was still running out. That was more more than 50% of those who had applied were still waiting. So the measures taken today are important because they speed things up. It is essentially a 24-hour turnaround guarantee from Monday, and that will help rescue a lot of businesses. But I think just as much, actually, it's important because it shows that the Chancellor listens, looks at evidence and acts. And that's critical because every country is learning and adapting their schemes as they go. And those that are most, the most agile will be the most successful because this doesn't stop today. As we know, this is gonna, the type of support needed is going to evolve over the coming months as well. So, A, it's a fantastic move. B, it's a great indication of what the Chancellor is like.
Uh, yeah, indeed. I mean, a lot, he's had a lot of praise, and certainly in terms of uh, public support, the polls show that he is one of the most uh, highly rated ministers in the government. And I think a lot of people are very much dependent on uh, on the decisions that he makes. And as you say, it's very important that the the government is seen to be, well, and is forget just seen to be, is actually able to move uh, quickly and spot where there are problems, spot when uh, people have been left out. There was a lot of concern earlier on, wasn't there? That it was you know workers on PAYE they were going to be covered by this furlough yeah. scheme, eighty percent of their pay up to twenty five thousand a year. But but but. Well, so three or thirty thousand a year, but but not the self-employed, and then that money came forward for them. There are still going to be businesses, and there's still going to be some self-employed people, and some people again who who are new business owners and like who will fall through the gaps. That's inevitable, isn't it? But these are pretty wide-ranging schemes. They are, and look, I think the chancellor has been clear that there's no there's no easy solution. Not every business um, will be saved, and that's that's obviously for those particular businesses uh, desperately sad but the package that we now have um, we can hold our heads high across the world in terms of the support that we're giving both to employees through the furlough scheme and to individual firms small and large Uh, as I said this is going to need to change as we move towards restarts um, the type of furloughing that is needed will have to be more adaptable more flexible so it's a moving feast but we are in a position now where we're saving jobs and that matters because even though this is expensive, every job that we save now is better value for the taxpayer than dealing with mass unemployment on the other side of recovery. And this is a crucial thing, isn't it? I mean, these are huge sums of money. We know the government doesn't have any money of its own. It's taxpayers' money. It's either going it's to be uh, raised from, from taxes on businesses, on, on, uh, on individuals, or it's going to be raised uh, from loans, and that will have to be paid back by, or from borrowing, by taxes uh, eventually in the public. So we are, we are going to put the bill for this. But this is the key thing, is that these are huge sums of money, tens and tens of billions of pounds being spent uh, overall in all these packages. But that is, this is the crucial thing. It's, that is far cheaper than basically having you know 50 percent of businesses in this country go under it is and it requires creativity because um you don't want to throw good money after bad obviously and there's no you know there's no spreadsheet here that you can plug the figures into and work out exactly on the return if there were i suppose we wouldn't need leaders and chancellors we could just run 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 the country by spreadsheet but it does feel like this is a very responsible and, and, and bold move uh, when we come out the other side the stronger our economy the more economic activity there is, the more confident people are to go out and purchase goods, employees to go back to work. That's what will help us with more of a V-shaped recovery that everybody's, you know, hoping for. Um, and and this that's is the- what will help us actually manage, these, manage the, the, the finances. And this is absolutely key, isn't it, of course, because if, if no one's got a job, there isn't anyone to go and buy the stuff when the shops do reopen. I mean, this is, this is the big concern. How does, how does what the, this government is doing, how does it compare with what is happening in, in, in other countries around Europe? I mean, there has been some comparison with the, the lump sums that have been handed out, literally in checks from the government uh, by Donald Trump in America. But, uh, but how overall do you think our, our rescue package compares? Oh, I think it's now very strong. I think you can look, every country is doing it slightly differently. So in Switzerland, for example, they've always had a 100% guarantee on loans, but they've got a much more limited loan offer than we have. Um, in Germany and Ireland, furlough is a bit more flexible. Uh, you're allowed to furlough people part time, which is something that I suspect we will look at for restart. But if you look at the, the, the breadth and the comprehensiveness of the offer that we now have in place, it is absolutely up there with the best in the world.
Okay, let's talk about the exit strategy there. There were lots of people and lots of businesses and lots of, of politicians who were, were sort of pinning their hopes on Boris Johnson returning to number 10 back at the office with his in-tray bulging there inside his office, looking at you know how to exit the lockdown and perhaps some disappointment in his speech yesterday. It was very rousing, uh, very encouraging, but he made it clear that lockdown is, is going to stay for the time being. We know that um, he and other senior ministers and advisors have had talks with you unions and business leaders uh, about the exit strategy and, and how we go about it. Um, has the CBI been included in those meetings? And, and with all, obviously, I'm sure they're private meetings, so we're giving away what you can. What sort, of, what sort of route are we looking at to come out of the lockdown in terms of whether we're going by, you know, by sector and what would, be, what would be the way in which we decide which sector, which industries, which manufacturers, which shops mm-hmm. could reopen and which ones can't? Well, I mean, firstly, it's great to see the, the, the Prime Minister back. Um, and yes, we have been involved in those conversations, and I, I, I hope we'll continue to be. I think the, the, an important point to note is that business aren't impatient to rush the lockdown, because I think one thing that government, business and unions are absolutely clear on is that if, if you, for restart to work, you need employees to be comfortable to go back to work. You need consumers to be comfortable to go out and spend their money. Um, And if people feel that their health is at risk, that won't work. Um, And that means either the people aren't available, the demand isn't available for restart to work, or even worse, uh, that 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 famous RO figure goes above above one and we have lockdown again. So what businesses say to me is knock me down once and I'll get up, knock me down twice and I'll probably stay on the floor. So let's get the restart right rather than rush it. And I think that's a really important point. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is the concern, isn't it? Of course, that we do get a second spike. That would have a far more damaging effect than perhaps spending an extra week or two in lockdown first yeah, time round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would it'd be very, very difficult for businesses and incredibly complicated. But it is, look, it's a really complicated thing to do. You can, of course, look by sector. And there are some sectors, hospitality is a clear example, that are likely to take longer to restart because of the health issues than, than others. But one of the other ways of looking at it, and I think the government have been, have been good on this, is actually less by sector and more by type of work. So is it outdoor work? Is it office work? Is it factory work? Um, so that you can tell, because that's actually often a better way of grouping the health issues, whether it's around social distancing or PPE. So looking at that, looking at... What are the things you need in place before businesses can start? So is that transport so that we're not at risk when we go to work, particularly tricky in London? Um, Is that um, immunisation or testing? Is that PPE? And how do we get that beyond um, the critical care workers that need it so badly now? So there's a lot of enabling functions that need to be in place. And then I think the key question is, do you do a very prescriptive startup like they're doing in Dubai, where there's a long list of who can start up on what day under what conditions? Or do you actually give a clear framework of what health conditions need to be met um, and then allow freedom within that framework? And I would expect us to end up more in that latter place. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio.
There's so much talk in the UK at the moment about how we go about exiting our lockdown and hopefully we can learn the lessons from other countries. Um, but, but other countries are doing things very differently. Of course, they've all had very different lockdowns. How do we explain how some countries have had a lockdown, say, including Spain, where not even ch- children, not even allowed out of the house at all. Others are allowing people to go out for, for an hour of exercise. Some have their beaches open. Some still, like in Sweden, uh, have, uh, have coffee shops and restaurants still open. Um, can you see any particular differences between the different policies of countries and and how badly they've suffered in the pandemic? It's really an interesting question. It's a very confusing scenario for the uh, if you want to observe and try to find the, your own best way to go about because the one blanket obviously doesn't fit all. And even within a country, uh, every city might be in a different setup. Every uh, The countryside versus a city is a di- in a different scenario. So this is why it's so confusing right now. And this is why national health authorities and national governments are, of course, trying their best to adapt the policies and the situation best to the risk assessment they are doing. Um, and every risk assessment is obviously for different. Um, what we what we do know, and that's really important here, what we do know is that whenever the lifting of any, any part of the lockdown is now being implemented, it should go step by step. It shouldn't be a full opening of the floodgates at the same time. And it needs many steps uh, ready uh, to respond to a possible increase of cases again, because what we should expect is that we will see a few more cases again. That's one thing. We should also know that workplaces have to adapt themselves in a way that um, either the physical distancing or other measures are implemented. Restaurants, shops, all those will have to continue to implement um, uh, public health measures that prevent a further a second wave and that's what we don't want with with all the ambitions and everybody wants to go back to a normal life and the economy needs to be uh, restarted uh, the summer is coming all of this uh, people have been locked into their homes for too long children are suffering and need to get back to school so all this needs to happen but it needs to happen in a way that it prevents a second wave to come um, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. That's the concern, isn't it? But we obviously are going to have to come out of lockdown at some point, get back to the shops opening, the workplaces opening, and, and come up with some way where this can be done in a safe fashion. Um, there's been a lot of emphasis on the schools. We know, you know, in Germany, Angela Merkel uh, bringing about schools. In some countries, schools have remained open throughout. Other schools being brought back from nursery, primary, to, get, to make sure that uh, the, the parents can get back to work themselves. In France, when Emmanuel Macron, the president there, uh, announced that schools were coming back, he's faced pretty much a public revolt from not just teachers but parents as well and yet I understand you know the, the the evidence we've seen from here in the UK suggests that um, while there is some risk obviously of infection being passed between children and indeed uh, from the uh, you know to the teachers that it's a very very low form of risk and um, they actually the, the but the benefits of children being back in school over you know are basically overweigh those uh, risks to the teachers and the children as long as you know reasonable levels of social distancing are brought about how do do you recommend schools are brought back in terms of maybe children going to school one week at a time and alternating or or for half of the week or half of a day how do you how do you at the world health organization recommend that happens so these are exactly the various scenarios that are possible and there's not a again there's not one recommendation to do it because it, it depends again on the, on the very situation of every individual school basically or every every single district but yes it would be important to avoid um 
of course, an, an infection amongst the children. But we have to think one step further because this has been similar with the recent with the infection discussion in the early days. Um, of course, the one part are uh, the children being infected, but the, the, the more important part then also is, of course, the children bringing this back to their parents, bringing this back to their grandparents, or bringing it back into a household where possibly there is a, a person with an underlying health condition. So these are the important parts, of course. And on the same t at the same time, we have seen children um, coming down with severe infections or with with possible other uh, side effects. So yes, this was is a challenge for everybody. Um, either a phased approach that classes, for example, which have now certain uh, final exams coming up that they need to go first, um, or or a half day half day approach, or a week by week. This has to be looked at individually by each district to see what's best working. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much indeed. Just finally, I actually must ask you about uh, the report that was out late last week, uh, Christian Lindmeyer, about from the World Health Organization, that there's yet to be any sort of formal evidence uh, that there is COVID immunity. So once you've had uh, the, the uh, coronavirus, uh, the idea that you definitely think you're, you're safe, certainly for a few months or maybe a year from being reinfected. And yet there's now still sort to be no, no 100 percent convincing evidence that is the case. Is this going to be a big concern that we can't then get, you know, immunity certificates and perhaps be able to be safe out of our homes this is really important for the way forward to know how long or how much of an immunity we get once we have been uh, infected so what you do is uh, you can detect the antibodies in, in the blood after somebody has been infected but we have not yet any conclusive evidence of what level of immunity does this give you this does it give you any immunity does it just uh, um, does it not protect you at all this is not important, not possible to tell yet because it's something you need a long study um, uh, over weeks and months of a big, of a large amount of people. So it would need people with um, with the antibodies being exposed to large quantities of the virus, and you would only be able to do this once there's a treatment. So all this evidence is still lacking. So we don't know what or how much of immunity we're getting. And yes, before we have a vaccine, this would be one of the most important questions. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.